You are now tuned in to Reckless Talks with Wreck-It Rhea. I am your host, Wreck-It Rhea, and we are on episode four. This is episode four. Um, before I start, I want to start by saying thank you, thank you, thank you. I have a very special guest today. Um, we we connected over Instagram, right? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. We connected over Instagram. We've been talking about, what, like a year now? Just about, Would you yeah. say about a year? Yeah, about a year. Um, we've never met in person, but I really feel like, you know, it's one of those things we connected and, you know, we have great conversation and I really do consider you a very amazing woman. So I want to say thank you so much for being part of this um, podcast. Um, this episode is very, very, very um special and near and dear to my heart because it took me a while to even agree to myself to talk about this because it's something that I really don't um, discuss. I know sometimes on Instagram I'll put up pictures of my friend or you know I'll put up little messages but I never really go into detail about what happened to her and how it affected me and um because it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month and I have this platform, I thought that, you know, what better way, you know, to bring awareness than to share um, her story. And, you know, experience is, you know, you have to go through it firsthand or secondhand, but that is an experience. And this is something that really affected my life and the life of so many people that loved her. And um, her name is Jas. Her name is Jasmine Nunes, and she was my friend. She is my friend. I like to say is because she's still my friend. Um, she lost her life to domestic violence a few years back. And um, yeah, thank you. Um, and I want to say thank you for joining me because you are. A domestic violence survivor and um speaking to you I feel like will give so many women who are experiencing this you know something to um some form of encouragement because I'm speaking from the side of someone who was affected by the loss and you are speaking as as a survivor so you know it comes from two very different perspectives so, um, I'll start. Um, I'll give a little bit of information on Jasmine. I met Jasmine, in, I believe we met in middle school. We met in the seventh grade. And um, she was just like this very bubbly and happy. And she always had a smile on her face. And immediately, like, I was very drawn to her energy. And, um, we met very young and we we just had this amazing friendship and this amazing connection and it's so weird because around that time I was having like these feelings where I was like struggling with my sexuality and not sure how I was feeling and Jasmine was actually my first friend ever that I um, expressed this feeling to. And that is how comfortable I was with her because at this time, what, I was about 
12, 13 years old. And I didn't understand these feelings that I had um, of attraction to girls. You know, we're in middle school and I'm like, this is weird. Like, I don't know why I'm feeling this. So I'm depressed. I'm struggling internally. And I have this friend that's the same age as me. And I felt so comfortable with her and loved her so deeply that I shared, like, one of my biggest secrets with her. She was, like, the first person I outwardly told, like, you know, I think I might like girls. And that was hard. And she was totally, like, you know, blown away. And she was just like, but she made me feel so comfortable because she was just like, well, you're my friend and I love you regardless. And we're going to figure this out together. And, you know, she really accepted me at a time where I was struggling with myself. So that's how our friendship began. Um, We stayed in contact for many years after because we're talking middle school. But this was not like just a regular friend. This is someone who was at my house. This is someone who knew my family. Um, My mother knew her. She was a very dear person in my life. Eventually, I think around high school, she moved to Massachusetts. Um, Her whole family moved to Massachusetts, and I hadn't seen her for a while. But in college, she ended up coming back to New York City. And, um, you know, I was so excited. Like, you know, I'm going to be able to see you again. And, you know, it was one of those things where your schedule runs over and, you know, you try to make time for your friend and y'all set up the dinner date and then y'all both cancel because we were both working. And we were both in school, but we were trying to get around to seeing each other. So um, what ended up happening, so she's back in New York, we're in contact, and I knew that she was living in the Bronx with her boyfriend. Um, I had never met the boyfriend, but I knew she was in the Bronx. And from what I saw on Facebook, she seemed very happy. You know, this is a woman who was posting pictures with her boyfriend every single day, talking about how in love she was it seemed like he treated her very well you know he took her on vacation it seemed good you know but there's so much that people take from pictures and social media and so much pain that people can hide behind a picture you know what I mean so on the outside looking in it seemed like you know she had a decent situation you know her and her boyfriend had their own apartment she was in school She was working. It seemed amazing. As a friend, I had no worries. I thought she was happy and healthy and everything was good. Long story short, um, on Facebook, this this was before Instagram days. This was when Facebook was really, really big. And she was really popular because she was a very attractive woman. So she had, like, a lot of Facebook friends. And um, I know that that was a problem with in her relationship, like, as far as him being insecure, um, you know, about how pretty she was and how many friends she had and, you know, guys liking her. What ended up happening is I was on Facebook one day and I saw a missing person flyer with her name on it. It said missing, yeah, it said missing, her name, you know, her information. Initially, I thought it was a joke. I thought, you know, like, her sister made the poster and put it on her page and was like, you know, I haven't spoken to her in a few days. 
But in that time, I thought it was a situation where, you know, you haven't spoken to your friend and you do something silly like, you know, are you missing? Where are you? Mm-hmm. I I thought it was that kind of situation. I never looked into the severity of that poster. I just thought, okay, she's been dodging her sister and her sister can't get in contact with her, so she made a poster. Didn't think twice about it. Went about my day, thinking nothing. Maybe four days after the missing person's poster, I see her sister post on her wall again and say, I haven't spoken to Jasmine because her family is living in Massachusetts. She's in New York by herself with her boyfriend. So her sister goes, you know, I haven't spoken to Jasmine. If she has any friends in New York City that have spoken to her, please reach out because my family is concerned with her. So at that point is when I thought, okay, this is not a prank. You know, this is not a joke. This is serious. But still, um, I didn't know, like, her address. I didn't know what apartment in the Bronx. I just knew she lived in the Bronx. But phone is ringing. She's not answering. No one can get in contact with her. Then um, her sister gets a message from the boyfriend. Finally, she speaks to the boyfriend. The boyfriend tells the sister, you know, she's busy with work. She's in school. She's just been really busy. The sister still feels like it's weird because she hasn't physically spoken to her sister. But because she spoke to the boyfriend, it's like a sense of ease now. It's like, okay, I spoke to him. He lives with her. So if he's telling me she's okay, then she's okay. This is going on. Now, this is past a week that no one has spoken to her. But it's not huge yet because you know, the family had spoken to the boyfriend. So, um, moving forward, what got everyone on edge is her school ended up calling her family in Massachusetts. The school, yes. And mind you, this is college. We're in college at this time. So, it's very rare that a college is going to reach out to your parents, you know what I mean? Because you're an adult, they're not gonna, you know. But they said her attendance was so perfect that when she was out for a week straight, they thought that was odd. So when the school reached out to her parents, that is when the severity of it began to hit everyone because everybody knew something was not right. Her boyfriend had already said she was busy with school and work. And then the school says she hasn't been there in over a week. So something is not adding up. So that is when her family came down from Massachusetts and um, started the police report. And this is going into two weeks. This is getting closer to two weeks since anyone has spoken to her. What ended up happening is in that two-week frame, A body was found in upstate New York, burned in, um, I believe, James Bird State Park, upstate New York. A body was found burned beyond recognition. They just knew that it was a young Hispanic woman. Um, Could not ID her. The only thing they had was 
a jasmine flower on her back and they put that picture out um, on a Facebook website, like a um, police website for upstate New York. This is going on. So her body was found upstate New York, but in New York City, she's still missing, but the boyfriend is speaking to the family. He's still in contact. So (laughs) this is the part that you know, hurts because for two weeks her body was upstate New York in a morgue um, unidentified and unclaimed and for two weeks this man was texting her family and making it seem like she was okay and making it seem like she was just busy Um, what ended up happening is one of her friends saw the picture on the Facebook group and um, her friend reached out to her family because her friend recognized the tattoo. And when she sent the picture to her sister, her sister said she just fell. Like, she knew that was her sister's tattoo. It was a very distinct tattoo. Um... When I got the news that Jasmine was dead, I was at work. Um, I was at work, and um, I got a message on Facebook from another friend that we had. And I didn't even open the message. I just could see from my inbox, and it said, did you hear what happened to Jasmine? And I just dropped. Like, I will never forget that moment is like that was like probably one of the hardest things I've ever experienced in my life I just dropped because I knew that when I opened that message I I just knew you know I knew and um when I finally spoke to my friend and found out that Jasmine was dead and um She had been dead for some time, and um, her body was in the morgue upstate. I I probably have never been that depressed in my life. Um, As far as her boyfriend, he ended up killing himself. Um, He left us with so many unanswered questions. We don't know the date my friend was killed. We don't know how she was killed. We don't know why she was killed. All we know is that this man killed her and then he killed himself and he burnt her body to the point where she had to have a closed casket funeral. And um, I, that was so hard for me because there were no signs. There were no signs. And I'm, I don't have a lot of experience with people who are dealing with domestic violence, but I just, my biggest regret is why didn't I see something? Why didn't she say something? You know, like, there's so many questions that will never be answered. I'm sorry. 
I'm so sorry. It's fine. I live right next to that. But there's so many questions that will never be answered, and so many things you will never know. All I know is that this man took my friend, and he took a woman that so many people love because of jealousy and because of insecurity and um that is probably like one of the hardest things I've ever experienced in my life and I like to talk about her in the present sense because I feel like you know I just want to keep her name alive and her family does so much um with you know they started a foundation for her they do so much um speaking yes definitely um check out the jasmine Nunes foundation um it brings so much awareness to domestic violence and you know to people who have gone through it and people who are trying to escape it so i really really wanted to touch on this topic and maybe you can give me your point of view from a survivor what are the what are the signs like what are the signs that someone might be in a situation that involves domestic violence um, every relationship is different every right. uh, everyone you know everyone goes through it differently um, personally, I'm a person where all my life I was I was already crying. I'm gonna start crying again. <laughs> all my life I was I was raised around abuse. Um, you know, um, there was a, I have a lot of abuse around me, and you know, technically I'm a miracle baby to begin with. So I feel like my my family was blessed with me. As, I'm not, as humble as I'm trying to say this. Because there was so much abuse going around me, I would be the one to go to the person who was abused and try to make them feel better. Okay. And um, I see people through pain. I think that's what connects me to a lot of people. Um, you know, there's always highs and lows in life, and I feel like a lot of people who I connect with, I connect with them because we've been so low, and I've been okay. with them, and I, you know, so. That's how so I do you feel like, would you feel like you gravitate towards um, damaged people because you're such a nurtured person? Yes, absolutely. Okay. okay. Um, so my first relationship, um, I was with a, with a man and I was 14, um, from 14 to about 18, 19, I was with him and he was the person um, who had just lost his mother and um, lost his mother to AIDS. And um, it was was, was tough dealing with him uh, because he was very mentally abusive. Okay. And um, he was was very manipulative. And was that he was older than you, or around yeah. the same? Okay. Yeah, he was older. He was he. If I'm 28, he's 32. Okay. Um, or 33. So, um, he was very manipulative. He wanted me to do everything 
you know, it was kind of like, you know, dude, I'm only this age, like, you know, you're crazy, like, right. and um, as I got older, when I turned 18, that I got my first job, I was kind of, I moved, I moved from, my, my parents finally split, so I moved all the way to Texas, and I lived in Texas. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It was it was it was definitely a shock. Um, there was a lot going on in my life already and then him with his toxic traits, I was like, All right, I'm too far from you and like I don't wanna do this anymore and it was as far as I was like eighteen. I had just broken up with him and he he calls me and he goes, Will you marry me? And I'm like, What? And he's like, Will you will you marry me? Would you come back down to Connecticut or I'll go to Texas? And I was like, No <laughs> I was like, No And he wow. was very upset with me. And um, he bashed my name. He bashed his entire family. Bashed my name. Um, and that was my first like abuse. And I walked. So away you would from say it. that relationship was more so mentally abusive for you. Yes, absolutely. Okay. okay. So I learned from that, and I said I will never, I would never allow a person to try to to, to mentally, you know, drain me that way. Right. Um, so, you know, Mulan we you know, I got I got married and you know, I was I was I was so young and so dumb that I didn't want to be. How old were you when you got married? I was tw- I had just turned twenty one. My birthday okay. is the twenty first and my wedding day is the twenty eighth of September. Okay. So I had ju- I had just gotten married because I wanted to be out. That's the person who I grew up with, my husband, you know. Okay. Um you know, he's not a great guy, but he's okay. So, you know, <laughs> things came <laughs> things came to a sad ending. Uh, my husband just wasn't wasn't for it. So he decided that he was gonna cheat his way up out the marriage at the marriage and I walked away from that. So okay. you know, I was very hurt. I was very, very, very hurt because I wanna say my husband was my first love. My first genuine love. How old were you married for? We broke up when I was 23, so three years, three and a half years. Okay. Okay. Um, we're still married, by the way. <laughs> okay. I haven't been <laughs> divorced as I asked, but um, because I was so hurt from him, um, I remember my mom used to work for Walmart at the time. And Walmart here in Bridgeport is, like, not that far away. So everybody goes to that Walmart. Right. Either you work <laughs> there or you live there, one of the two. So... Yeah, so I, I, I'm always working with this guy, and I noticed that he was kind of looking at me, looking at him. It was kind of like, you know, and my mom's like, that kid right there, he's going through a lot, you know. He, he, um, his baby mother and him just broke up, and I was like, you know, here goes the broken energy connecting. Right. Exactly. Um, so <sighs> there's a lot that went on there. Um, so, you know, fast forward all the way, we got together. Um, my mother was completely against it. My mother was not open to my relationship. My mother, I had to sneak it into my house. Wow. Yeah, it it was crazy. So, the first time he showed me any type of abuse was, um, very, uh, it was mental. It was mental. Okay. Because, because um my um okay. is you wanna hold on? No, I said keep going. 
Oh, um, so we were sitting, we were sitting, uh, it was like a day like today, we were sitting on the bed, and I was scrolling through Facebook, and I got a message, and it was one of my friends, my friends that I went to middle school with, it was a guy, and his girlfriend lived at the apartment under me, and he was like, are you the one who lives over my girlfriend, and that okay. he saw that message over my shoulder and that that was it okay that was it so it was he, jealousy yes he okay. grabbed me by my hair and slammed me on the bed at first you don't think anything of it you're like <laughs> you laugh it off and he's like you think i'm playing you think i'm playing i was always the same so um I went, I would go, we worked together because at that point I started working at Walmart as well. Right. Um, so I noticed him becoming more distant with me and very flirtatious. But at well, home, if he was coming home to me, it was very, that he was in my face. So he was very dominant. He was a very dominant person. So um, it's, sometimes I, I kind of, like when someone dominant comes near me, I kind of hide until they trigger me. Okay. Um, if that makes any sense. Um, so I was very like mellow around him. I was very like if he was so dominant. Okay. Um, I was very manipulated. I actually allowed him to manipulate me. Is um, that who you feel like you are um, normally, or do you feel like? you kind of like lost yourself in that I was be- I was very I was starting to uh lose myself a lot okay it was it was it was tough um I was becoming really uh, angry I was angry yeah. I remember okay I was I was I, I I was gonna go to like a paint and strip that's when paint and strip came out like hard um and I couldn't find my wallet. And I blew a fit. Like, I broke everything in my room. I was so angry. I was just... I remember just throwing myself on the ground and just crying. I'm like, why am I so frustrated? Like, what is going on? I went to my doctor right. and they um, they put me on anti yeah. So I was really depressed. Um, because of everything else going on in my life and the relationship. Right. My, my, you know, the relationship currently, currently in. Um... Not trying to be TMI, but um, these antidepressants, depending on what you what you take, sometimes you know they they react differently to your body. Right. You know your body reacts different. It does certain things. Well, mine was my sex drive went down, and I okay. was interested. And I just I just I just and and that created a problem because he he loved that sex. Right. And, okay. Um. I just wasn't performing how he wanted to, and that was a problem. Um, I remember, I'm not trying to be TMI, but I remember... There's no um, TMI. Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> <laughs> There's okay. no such thing as TMI. <laughs> so we were having sex, and we were about to have sex, and, you know, we were missionary, he was over me, and he grabbed me by my throat, and he was like... Why isn't your pussy wet? And I was like, uh, you kind of know why. And he was like, he he grabbed on my neck 
and he was, I don't know if he was trying to turn me on or what, because there's, like, different ways you could go about this. Right. Um, and he slapped the shit out of me. Like, he straight up slapped me. And I was like, it wasn't a sexual, it wasn't sexy. It was nothing sexy about it. He just literally okay. smacked the shit. Like, my face, days later, was red. And so did you make heard, it known that it wasn't something that you enjoyed? Did you? Yeah. I told him, I was like, yeah, that's not how you turn me on. Like, if I wasn't really turned on, I'd definitely not a thing right now. Right. Um, okay, so I'm sorry to cut you off. I have a question. Yeah. What, after, okay, so let's say after the initial time, that the first time, because the first time is always like the, wow, like, this really happened. Yeah. That was after that moment. What made you say? after the first time he put his hands on you? Um, that same day, I just, that stood in the back of my mind. I was very like, what? Like, why? You know? So, I was very like, in thought. I was in deep thought. I was very quiet. My mom, she's like, why are you, why are you such a, why, why are you such like a quiet person? You're so talkative. Like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, nothing nothing like I knew that I was in for for her surprise right and um yeah it was it was crazy um a few days went by I stood there you know cause they butter you up you know the next right. morning right and his presence was kind of forced you know um like even if you were mad at him he was gonna come sit next to you like he didn't care. He didn't okay. say that. He didn't give okay. a fuck that he didn't he didn't give a fuck that he slapped me and that upset me. He didn't care. He said it was not a thing. Okay. Um so I had like kind of no choices to like make up with him. So, you know, you try would to you say do better. that would you say that you were fearful or do you feel like you were ever scared of him or um I wasn't, I was kind of like, I had my guards up, I wasn't, I, it wasn't until later on that I felt more afraid of him. Okay. Yeah. Um, when he, it, I think it was another, another time we were probably going to get in bed, and um, he looked at me, and he was like, you know, I'll kill you, right? Like, you try to leave me, I'm going to kill you. And I was like, don't even say that. That's not in front of me. He was like, Yeah, I'm not I'm not being funny. Like, I would that I kill you. Mm. And then I looked at him and I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And then they kind of like laugh it off, you know, like they laugh it off and he was pushing. Right. And then I don't remember fully what happened. I just remember he told me that he carried it on with a knife. I remember that. So that's when my guards were up. I was, I was searching around. I was like, cause it was my room, it was my house. You know, I was searching around, uh, make sure that he didn't have weapons and right. he wasn't bringing it into my house. You know, um, so. How long did you stay in that relationship? Um, three years. I gave him three years. You said about three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. What? 
what made you finally walk away? What was it that you had enough that you said, I'm not going to do this anymore? Um, I was I was at my best, best friend's house um, babysitting my godson. And um, that was the only, like, alone time when the baby would go down that I had throughout my day because I was always so busy. So I would, I would have him come over the house and, you know, we'd watch a movie or we'd eat and he'd, he'd go to work and that, 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 it started getting boring. It started getting boring. I, I was over it already. I was over mm-hmm. him. I was over his cheating. I was over his lying. I was, I was over it. Yeah. And I looked at him and I told him, I don't want to be with you anymore. And he was like, what? And I was like, I don't want to be with you anymore. I, I'm done. When you leave out that door today, I'm done. He stood quiet, he was dancing, and he was very quiet. But I, I was very upset, so I didn't acknowledge him. He was like, come watch the door because I'm leaving. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Right. Stupid me. I had the door open because those doors were just swing closed. Um, it was one of those old doors. I held the door open, and instead of opening, holding the door open with my leg facing him, I gave him my back. Again, not thinking of it. I didn't want to see him. I don't want to see him passing by. I just, I thought he was gonna chase me. I don't know. When I was, when I was, when I was about to let the door go because I wanted it to slam as he left. Right. He grabbed me by the back of my hair and he bashed me against the wall. Mind you, these old ass apartments. Cause you're from Brooklyn. You know that these. I'm not um, from Brooklyn. Walls, I'm from Queens. I'm sorry, you live in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Brooklyn. Dang, girl. <laughs> I'm not from Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm a Queens girl. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But you lived, in, you lived in Brooklyn. I never so, lived in Brooklyn. Didn't you say you lived in Brooklyn? You know I what? I never I'm told definitely, you no, I lived in Brooklyn. No, it's not you. It's not you. I remember having the same conversation with someone yesterday. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Um. So yeah. Uh. So the wall. The walls are cement. You know. You're from New York. You know. <laughs> yeah. The walls yes. are made of cement. So that was a cement wall. It's heavy as doors. Like this is. These are old. These are old apartments. Right. He bashed me against the the wall. The wall. And um. I kind of lost consciousness. You know. Because I'm like, oh shit. What just happened? And um, I feel him, like, just punching me in the face. Punching me in the face. Punching me on the head, on my ear. And the baby's in the house. And the baby's, like, five steps away from us. Wow. That was a result. And he, I, I couldn't flip. I couldn't, he was on me so well. I couldn't turn around. He was like... He was just, I remember what he was saying. I know he was just calling me a whore. He was calling me a bitch. He said I wasn't good enough. That's why I lost the kid. Like, I was, I was, it was that serious. Like, he was beating the shit out of me. And he grabbed me and he threw me on my friend's bed and he ripped my underwear off. And he, he raped me. Wow. And then he turned around. And he said, you stay stuck right there till I walk out. And when I walk out, then you lock the door. Mind you, from her bedroom to the door, it's a hallway. Long, dark hallway. And I was so 
scared to lock that door. I was so fucking scared. When I locked that door, I checked on the baby. I went to the to the living room. Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> and I called my friend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, please, please come home. Please come home. Mm-hmm. She was like, Francesca, what happened? And I was like, the baby's fine, the baby's sleeping. But he just he just beat the shit out of me. And she said, I'm going to be there five minutes. Mm-hmm. And she came, I looked out the window, she was like, Francesca! I looked out the window, and the cops were with her. And I was like, Scooby, why would you call the cops? Mm-hmm. She's like, no, I don't take that. That that that, that um, domestic violence shit don't go with me. I don't think so. So you know, the two cops come in, and she's sitting there, and you know, she's one of them crazy ass Puerto Rican from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Like you know, she was going at a thousand, mm-hmm. you know. And I I don't want to say anything. I don't want I don't want. I, I, I live with my mother and my, my nephew and my sister and I don't want to bring that trauma right. home right. so I'm not saying much I give them his name his name his his just his first name I told them I don't know his last name I didn't know his date of birth right and they knew that I wasn't trying to snitch on him because you're still trying to protect this person Absolutely. in a way right so they asked me where his whereabouts was where he was going I knew everything and I was like, I'm not giving no information to them. Mm-hmm. And I text him like an idiot, and I tell him, the cops are looking for you. He was like, I know. I saw them pass by. Wow. I wrote to my, my sister's boyfriend, and I told him, can you please meet me outside? Can you please meet me? Look for the car, because I drove to her house, um, mm-hmm. you know, and meet me I'm there and you know the cops will walk me down and I didn't want to come up my house I I did it I was scared I was I didn't want to go anywhere I was in my house all the time I wanted to be with people I wanted to be with my mom and my sister I didn't look at myself I just knew that the next morning I woke up very tender my head was tender my face was tender um I had bruises on my face I had bruises on my eyes I had you know, my, I just looked like I got the shit beat out of me. So I let my hair down and I hid it from my mother. Right. And to this day, I hid it, hide it from my mother. Um, Thank you, Tom. It's very, it's, it's definitely not easy to talk about. It's really not easy. Um, it's not easy. I have never experienced um, physical abuse in a relationship. I have 
gone through mental abuse. Um, you know, I was married too, and um, I was in a very controlling marriage that I decided to walk away from. Um, I lost myself a lot in that marriage. I was very depressed. I was very, um, you know, I was very quiet. You know, the person that I am today, this outspoken, just the boisterous person, that was not me at all. I had to conform to, um, you know, being this military wife and talk in a certain way, dress in a certain way, and act in a certain way. And I lost myself much that I sunk so far into depression and um, it just got to the point one day where I said I'm either going to die silently or I'm going to walk away and live and be happy and be a better mom for my daughter you know what I mean like I'm not going to because it looks so pretty on paper, I'm not going to stay in the situation that I'm not happy in. And it was a situation at that time where he was the breadwinner. Um, you know, he is in the military, so he brought home the money and he knew that and he used it against me so much. And um, when it gets to the point that you're asking your husband for a few dollars, you know, and he's using that to control you. I had to walk away. The only thing I would say I was blessed with is I always, my mother always instilled education in me, and she always told me, you know, your education is someone, something no one can take away from you. So, I made sure that I stayed in school, but when I left my marriage, I left with literally me and my daughter, and I started over from the ground up. You understand what I'm saying? I literally started from nothing. I had nothing because there was so much control in that marriage financially and just as far as who I could be as a woman. And I vowed when I left that marriage to never lose myself again and to always be true to myself and to always speak my truth because I feel like I was muted for so long, muted. Even my family tells me, like, they see such a difference in me. They're like, my mother, and I'm so close with my mother, she's like, I didn't know you at that time. Like, I didn't know you. You were very quiet. You weren't yourself. You just weren't the Sharia that everyone loves and appreciates. And I was depressed. I was very depressed. And no one knows that. I was so depressed. Like, I was not happy because there was so much control and manipulation. And um, I walked away. I walked away. I walked away with my daughter. And she has never seen me happier in her life. Like, she sees the best version of me now, more than when I was married with her dad. And I love her dad. I still love her dad. And um, I have the utmost respect for him. He's an amazing dad. I just couldn't be in that marriage anymore. It just wasn't. And it sucks because no one gets married to get 
divorce. You know, that's not what the intent is. Right, exactly. Like, that was my biggest... I felt like that was my biggest failure because I didn't want to get divorced. I, I wanted to keep my family together, but I wanted to be happy. And those two things didn't coincide, so I had to pick one or the other. But I really, truly appreciate you sharing your story I'm so sorry that <laughs> I'm so sorry that you cried because I don't like to make people cry but Aww. I feel like those emotions are healthy and you know you have to express yourself you have to get it out and this was very important for me to do like I said for my friend because you know he took her from us and I feel like she has so much potential and so much more life to give and you know it was so selfish and for so long I really felt hate in my heart for him like I hated him I hated him I used to wish the most horrible things and I used to say you know you killed yourself you're so selfish you don't give us no answers you don't know anything and I hated him and I had to learn to find peace with the situation and just make sure that her death is not in vain and that, you know, as much as I can talk about her and bring awareness and if one woman listens to this podcast and you or I have affected them and they get something out of this, then I feel like we did our due diligence and we did what we were supposed to do. So I want to say thank you. Thank you so much. I love you. Um, you have such great energy and I know we're going to meet one day. I'm not even worried about that. <laughs> not even worried about that I know we're going to meet and thank you again not a problem I hope that it reaches someone as well anyone um, I remember when I was going through it I, I only hoped to hear and and relate to someone and see inspiration I think the people around me did inspire me enough like my mother and grandmother right. and although they didn't know because they were just there, it was just like I found reasons for them, you know, through them, because of them. I don't know. <laughs> right. Be here that I deserve to be here, and it takes a lot of courage to walk away, but you walk it away takes with your so own much, So much courage, and just be blessed that you are a survivor because there's so many women who cannot tell their story and there's so many women who do not survive so you can speak up for those women and be a symbol for those women and um, even speaking to you just made me feel you know so connected as far as my friend and you know that experience with her and um, I'll never know why she stayed or you know what she was going through and you know, everyone has their own reasons. I just know that as much as I can bring her story to awareness, I will. And if anyone is listening, um, on Facebook, um, her page is the Jasmine Munez Foundation. You can follow. Her family does so much for domestic violence awareness, and her sister is doing her thing to keep her name out and you know, known, and I'm just blessed to have ever been able to experience her, ever. I feel that is my biggest blessing, to have had her in my life for the time that I did, 
was a blessing because she was an angel and I love her so much and this is episode four this was a very this was a long episode but it was it was so worth it and um again thank you so much for your story thank you for having me thank you